What's up, nerds? This is Taylor with the Millennial Mission Podcast. You're listening to episode two, Science Slash Faith, our very hipster title. Just so you know, you can find this and all future episodes on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. So you can listen anywhere. And also, I'd really encourage you, if you're new to listening to podcasts, to listen in whatever way is most comfortable for you. You don't have to sit down and focus all your attention to it. I know for me, I'm also the podcast when I'm taking showers, driving around, and going to the bathroom. That's always a good one um, as well. So just do what's more comfortable for you. And finally, we talk about kind of reasons to believe in God, but none of these are really meant to be 100% proofs that work for everyone. So just kind of keep that in mind, because if you wanted to, you can poke holes and kind of tear them apart in the comment section. So please be kind. I wish you guys could see what I see. Me and my brother, um, so I'm with Brandon today. Um, we're bringing him for his professional um, view of being a nerd, basically. You know, the advice that he can give to us. <laughs> we're going to be talking about faith and science, but um, we're back home, just like in our dining room. We got the place up there, like pillows and everywhere to try to make the sound sound good. <laughs> I'm just doing visual arts right now. I'm not. Doing, I'm not even speaking. I'm just dancing. It's just entertaining. Yeah, Brandon, you should have rapped over that. <laughs> so I don't think people. I'm so, a spiritual lyrical miracle, spiritual lyrical, and you just keep going, right? <laughs> so people know. People probably don't know um, this about my brother. Um, so he's just like this white like nerdy looking dude pretty yeah. much for the most part pretty much and um he got really into rapping not from like listening to music on the radio or like hip-hop no. or like old school rap he just went on youtube and started wa- like watching like epic um epic rap battles of yeah. history is that what it is and he just yeah. learned all of them and then he was like no, okay because rap to me was always like half half a joke i mean not like the actual genre but it i always just liked really funny raps that are just ironic and uh I just kept lear- learning them, and I just started using rap as kind of an ironic thing. Sometimes I've been able to perform it in different different levels, but it's always been like as a joke or funny because uh, I don't know. I just find it hilarious because people look at me like, "Nah, that that guy's a nerd." <laughs> That's what the entire thing we're gonna talk about today is. Just that guy's a nerd. There's no way. Yeah, how fast can you do that? What's the alphabet? Alphabet aerobics. Yeah, the alphabet aerobics. I've done one point five before. So 1.5 speed. So if you go on YouTube, and I don't know if YouTube still has this. But oh, yeah, it does. If you do alphabet, um, of course, Brandon knows because he's buried his life yeah. into YouTube. Um, if you go on um, alphabet aerobics, who's it by again? Uh, Black Alicious. Black. <laughs> that's not a joke. That's the real name. <laughs> if, you go on, um, if you go on that and you go on one and a half speed, try to try to rap along, and then you'll be at... It, it gets pretty you'll good. You'll get on Brandon's level. <laughs> it gets pretty good. Come back and 10 years. Oh, jeez. So, Brandon, how long have you been a nerd then? Oh, that's <laughs> what a loaded question. Uh, I guess my entire life, we got a, uh, our parents got a, an N64, Super Mario 64, and FIFA when we were, when I, how old we, uh, was I, four, or were you six? I don't I, yeah, I was six. So around there. Four. And we all played it together. Oh, I mean, it was one player game, but one person would play it, and then another person would play it, and then uh, dad and mom were way better at the game, and I, I just didn't like to be beaten, so eventually, I, as like a four or five year old, I got eventually better than everyone else, and I didn't get 120 stars, but I did beat the game when I was a little kid, and then eventually I got 120 stars like a few years later, and then 
it's for fun now. Yeah, I came back home um, just for a couple of days to visit Brandon, who um, right now he's in grad school mm-hmm. in, in physics for physics in Milwaukee. Yep. Um, At uh, University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And so he came back um, last night. And we were we were dusting out the old sixty four playing playing, playing <laughs> oh, Smash. No. I was like, the, when we were playing Smash, it really reminded me of this one time when I beat Taylor in Smash. The one time, <laughs> the one time. Yeah, Taylor's. We, we, this has been the game that me and Taylor have been competing with since we were little kids, and now it's just clearly that Taylor's actually objectively better because he started looking what professionals do and looked up at YouTube tutorial videos, and now he's actually like significantly objectively better than me almost at everything but there's just a couple i won randomly a couple times and it, it really uh it was pretty good it was pretty great and then i kept losing over and over again yeah there's it just flicked a switch and then you like stopped being able to kill me that's because we ate dinner <laughs> we ate dinner and we came back and was like uh oh cool well Brand, i guess talk about a little bit about like what you do like in grad school okay um i am a physicist i work at uh, university of wisconsin milwaukee uh, i'm going to class there uh Eventually, I'm on the PhD uh, PhD track program. So, in four or five years, I'll uh, hopefully, with everything goes right, uh, I'll get have my PhD. I specifically want to work in gravitational physics. So, if you heard of gravitational waves or LIGO, kind of heading in that direction, uh, I can maybe talk a little more about it. But I'm also a teacher assistant right now, so I help lead discussions for two classes. So, right now, I'm taking four classes, taking and teaching two classes. So. It's, I really like it over there. It's pretty great, but I'm trying to, you know, try to get into research this starting this summer, and I don't know. It's going really well. I'm really blessed to be there. So, yeah. So, how did you? So, actually, talk a little bit about LIGO. Um, just give it background. So, you were doing research this past summer. Yep. And I guess like talk about LIGO and talk about your, well, your I, small role in I, it. I, I well, I didn't actually do research in LIGO. I did research in Lisa which is a related experiment. LIGO is an actually experiment that's working. So uh, LIGO is the, this is the big, this is the big one that's where everyone's going to. So Belize is a future one, but they're both very related. So LIGO is a laser interferometer uh, gravitational wave observer. So what it does is it measures gravitational waves. So uh, what it's a gravitational wave, it's actually just a small little ripple in space time. So when you have giant huge uh events and any any time you have something uh, the best the easiest way you could explain it you can make a gravitational wave uh if you have something uh, spinning that's non uh, uh, that hasn't doesn't have spherical symmetry so if you have example you have there are actually a lot of systems like this but if you have two stars actually rotating each other uh, they can actually emit gravitational waves and they'll lose energy and eventually uh then collapse and hit themselves, and then even that collision will create gravitational waves. And we know gravitational waves exist. They've been predicted for 100 years uh, using Einstein's theory of general relativity. They're a natural consequence of this, but this has been something people have been looking for, for, uh, again, trying to find for the last 50 years experimentally. And they finally made experiments, LIGO, and then a a few other ones they'll be able to to actually measure them uh, well. And I can talk a little about how how, how they measure it, but... No, I'm sure that's funny. I'm I'm imagining that most people listening were just like about 15 (laughs) seconds. They were like... I have no idea. What is he talking about? They just checked out. They just went back to like high school. I don't know. It's pretty interesting. I mean, I mean, because you don't, you actually don't have to. Yeah, it's actually it's actually though pretty easy to explain though. 
I mean, if yeah, but it just it, you never notice them in your daily life. But if gravitational wave came by, it actually shortens and uh, it shortens the distance and then expands the distance of everything. But you, it's such a small level that you can never tell. I mean, it's down to the, you know, changing it by the you know a nuclear scale. So the you know the, uh, nucleus of an atom. I mean, it's, it's just a few scales above that where it actually shifts and stretches its distance. So you need incredibly sensitive uh, sensitive equipment to do this so this is not something people would experience in their daily life but it's still it's really interesting because if you measure that it actually tells you about the source that's coming from it so mm -hmm. people want to do that because it turns out that you can only see so much with light and people want to see more than that so it's really i don't know i'm gonna stop you you can do your <laughs> it's, it's your show taylor <laughs> it's like shut up Brandon. <laughs> yeah and that's what i remember um i was reading some articles it was cool because we i think we got um some magazine like or something in the mail and it was like Oh, here's Project Lisa. This is the thing that yeah. Brandon's like working on, um, mm -hmm. and you—I mean, you just have like a tiny like fraction of a part, but um, you know, just really completely insignificant. <laughs> just I mean, <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> you're not wrong. Yeah, but um, I like we were reading about this, and and a lot of the reasons like why they're doing this is so they can try to see back to kind of like there's some still like gravitational waves going back to the original like Big Bang. Mm -hmm. And so people, you know, trying to understand, like, the origins of the universe and, like, how they went down. Yeah, so that is part uh the interest in finding gravitational waves. Now, LIGO and LISO, they don't look in that frequency band, but there are experiments that are hopefully will. So you can actually see uh, possibly gravitational waves back from right around the Big Bang. It, <clears throat> I, I mean, I don't know too much about that because, I mean, it was an experiment, but it would be really interesting because it would just tell you about how the early universe formed in, in a way that we haven't been able to know. Because it turns out there's actually a limit how far you can see back with light. And light is limited in a lot of ways, and, and people basically run into, uh, I, don't, I don't know, they basically kind of run to a point where uh, they can only do so much and they want to see more. Because the, the way they describe it is it's like looking at a television it, for the last hundred few hundred years people have just been seeing the television they've never been able to hear the sound coming from it so like uh, gravitational waves is a total no new way to be able to actually see sources and give you information that's completely independent of light and then you can uh, in astronomy in general it's really hard to tell distances between things you actually people when they when they actually say they know something they know it to like uh, some huge error bar and they actually don't know how far things are exactly and this having independent uh, information like this would would really help in general to tell you about a lot of things that people are interested but that might not be interesting to you but it's, it's interesting to some people because eventually you, you know it'll, it'll crop up and be important yeah all that stuff is completely unimportant we're going to yes. talk about this instead that is just an intro <laughs> yes exactly um we want to talk a lot today is for, talk about like faith and science um, and how those things go together so kind of growing up in a you know christian like catholic like household um, how did, did you ever feel like your interest, like for science? Because I remember when we were growing up, since Brand's my um, younger brother, we had like, our parents like bought us all these like different yep. like, science books. Yep. Did you feel like there was like a conflict at all between those two things? Uh, not, not as a young kid, but eventually I thought because I was told that there was a conflict I had, uh, in high school, I had to think about it a lot. Uh, again, as a, as a little kid, I was really interested in learning about the world, just learning about anything. I, I, I liked studying all these little books and then at, asking questions and then going to school. I, I actually, I actually like school. I'm a professional student right now. That's what grad school is. You're a professional student. But, uh, I never had a, I never saw any problem 
and, and until I went to high school, then there was a few things, uh, th- few things that cropped up, and I started running into people that weren't uh, blatantly Christian. Again, we came, we came into, uh, we we went to, uh, at least I, me and Taylor went to elementary school at St. Mary's, which is a Catholic school. Then we went to middle school. I didn't know too many people, but what so it was until high school that started running to people with different views, and, and it helped, and it, it actually strengthened my faith in a lot of ways, but. Uh, and I'm coming. I've been coming to the conclusion over a long time is that there really isn't any. This is the short story. I mean, there's a lot more to this, but there, there's no conflict between religion or science. And if you think there is, you're misunderstanding either the religion or the science, or if, if you want to use the word faith, if you want to. Mm-hmm. So something's awry in there. It's not. It's, there's no problem because it turns out they don't talk about the same things in, in in some level. So, so what are what are some objections or like some things throughout the years that people have brought up? Oh. And I guess like how have you had to I guess like work from these from work through these things from an intellectual standpoint. Oh, so there's a really interesting one. Uh, I just uh, we were celebrating my birthday party. Well, me and another guy's birthday parties because it turns out our birthday. Me, uh, a guy I work with, Siddharth, he's another grad student. He had a birthday two days after mine, so we all went out and we went to a Mexican restaurant and had a good time. But his girlfriend was there, and she was not religious. And uh, I know sometimes that conversation comes up with uh, when I'm talking to to people. But she was claiming she was she's a psychologist uh, that going to grad school at UWM, and she he she brought an objection that God can't exist, and this is the reason why is because she was saying that there's actually a part of the brain where if they tap into well if they if they actually uh, mm-hmm. send an electromagnetic pulse, so electromagnetic pulse into they can actually give people experiences of God. So the atheists can come out and say, okay, he experienced God, and now he's going to change how he lives, and he's like, okay, God doesn't exist. Because this is this is clear what's happening to to religious people, and it turns out if okay, so we can sit back and think about it for a second. It's like, well, you, it's the same. It's the same argument again, uh, with evolution for this. It's like, well, you know, that makes sense also for God to have put that in. You can't actually say where that's come from. That yeah, sure that explains maybe explains behavior, but that doesn't say anything about if God exists or not. If it, God doesn't exist, yeah, maybe it, it explains that way people experience God. But if God does exist, well, that makes a whole lot of sense because wouldn't He want you know part of our body, you know, physiology to to uh, you know. Part of it, so we can experience them, we put that intentionally. So it doesn't really, a lot of these arguments, especially when you talk about things like evolution, it's like, well, evolution exists, so clearly that could make humans. Well, maybe God, inst- you know, instigated, uh, instituted evolution, and that's the process he used to make humans. It doesn't explain whether there's God or not. It just, uh, you can frame, you can almost all these arguments you can frame either in a theist or uh, atheist way, or, you know, without god way it doesn't really point to whether a lot of these things in science don't actually point what to whether there's a god and you if you really think you need to really think about it and and not impress your worldview upon the science if you really think about objectively there's an argument always both ways and that therefore there's really no evidence because uh, in general science is talking about the physical world and soon as you're not talking about the physical world world you're not really talking about science anymore you're really interpreting science which a lot of people have a problem with because they think when they interpret science that's the same thing as science and it's, and it's generally not uh, because science is again just talking about the physical world just straight up and when you talk about god which is inherently not really physical not really physically present in our universe but acting on the universe then you can run into some issues with this logic so so what's an example of like difference between science and interpreting science? I know you kind of just gave one, but oh yeah, uh, I mean the classic. I mean I, I just kind of said it with uh, evolution. 
is just that uh, <clears throat> is that w- what science is telling us in general i mean forget the evolution there's we don't have a good under again people don't have a good understand how it starts but the, when the process gets going people look okay evolution this is where all the species are coming from this is where uh, you know i can see how you know, basically how birds diverged from mammals and uh, and all these different things and the same okay i didn't need god to craft all of the cuz they're they're going back to the cl- some of the classic religious arguments uh, well, at least the classic religious understanding when, when people uh, didn't have a good grasp on it. Again, religious trying to explain the world. When they didn't have a really good grasp on the world, they say, okay, God just crafted all these people by hand. But it turns out that it's like, okay, well, that's not true because, you know, uh, these all these things could be created by just natural processes. And, and then you have to think back as a theist. It's like, well, again, that could have been, the evolution could be instigated by God. It could be, that could have been the process that he... Could be that could have been the process that it actually creates all of life, and that doesn't make it any less special than the way we thought about it before. Actually, a lot of science is more uh, more ridiculous and uh, and it's more against intuition and more fantastical than actually we you would think if you didn't know about the science. A lot of science is absolutely ridiculous if once you know more about it. The world is more redi- more uh, uh, more magnificent than really you can really think. Uh, uh, even you can dream initially. I I just find that always fan. Uh, I just always find that so fascinating all the time. Just the more I learn, it's just like, wow, that's complete. I would have never have guessed that, but that's true. Because again, with a lot of the science, a lot of stuff we do in physics, it's like, well, how do you know it's true? Well, it's like, well, we, you use these ideas to build iPhones. The reason that stuff works in your hand is because, you know, someone did, you know, worked on electromagnetics 150 years ago and it, and it works because the thing in your, your hand works. So. I want to take a quick break to talk about Patreon. So Patreon is a way for you to support me and my mission and these podcasts and make all of this possible. So I'm trying to use Patreon because it's amazing. It's kind of like Kickstarter, um, but instead of Kickstarter, which you do a one-time like gift, um, Patreon renews every single month, and it's designed from the ground up for content creators like me. And this is a way for me to be self-funded. And I'm really asking you, you guys as listeners and supporters um, of me in the show, to try to give me something. Like maybe it's just like a tithe of your tithe, a measly like 1% or even, you know, anything from $1, $5, $10, $20, $50 a month or more all helps a ton. And you can get exclusive benefits, just kind of like Kickstarter, which you can get my podcast early for $5 a month. You can get exclusive training for evangelization and other things that I'm going to start. And also name the credits in Skype with me every week. So please um, click the link and let's get back to the podcast. I guess for you, like we're talking a lot about like science, um, science and religion. But, you know, you can talk about a lot of times I'll talk to friends of mine that are um, agnostic and atheist. And yeah, we really we honestly like when I talk to people like that, it's it's honestly not much of a debate. It's just talking with people that are my friends. That's good. But um, there's a difference between being a theist and then being a Christian. And I guess, okay. like, for you, like, obviously you have your experience of growing up, but for me, like, how did you, like, pick a side um, or at least commit to one? Well, I mean, yeah, so I think for, you can be raised in a faith, uh, regardless of what it is, or relate, uh, raised to be either theist or atheist, but at some point you have to make all, even a political view is the same thing, you have to make all these views your own. And... It, it, ha- it came with a long period of convincing, and I mean, this doesn't always seem like an appropriate word, but 
even kind of testing and just uh, feeling out and looking at looking at the world and trying to figure it out. And for me, in it, with all the things we experienced as a family, I've experienced as an individual, just the theist position always made more sense in, in the way that it explained the world in a better uh, in a more coherent way than atheism. When I mean my actual personal experiences, you don't talk about science or whatever, but my actual personal experience being that we had so many crazy things that happened during our life where people helping us, uh, in, you know, people helping us as a family uh, during our upbringing that it, it just, it, and every single time people uh, coming through, every single time our needs were met when we were really uh, struggling is just just leads me to like okay there is someone looking out for us and and there's more ridiculous stories than that but just it, I always find it as a more more coherent and more uh, sat, I mean not just not satisfying explanation that okay I want to believe in God okay not, uh, I should be careful I, uh, and and just and saying that but it, it always made more sense to me uh, is, what, is what I mean and but I, I certainly think that there's a lot of positions you can hold that are perfectly logical and perfectly rational I think being agnostic is perfectly uh, fine position to take okay I just don't know and uh, and if a lot of Christians will one minute and sometimes we don't know right mm-hmm. sometimes we're not fully convinced uh, sometimes we struggle with faith and I think that's any Christian who's honest with themselves will say that so I don't I don't I don't think badly of agnostics at all. They're just unsure, and that's that's perfectly fine position to take. Especially nowadays, a lot of people uh, st- struggle with faith, and it, you know, it kind of always happens. But it's perfectly fine to to not know because uh, if God exists, it doesn't make it always very clear that He does. And so, if you just sat back and uh, thought about it and experienced the world, then that might be just a conclusion you come to. And uh, and again, encourage a lot of people. That's a that's a position. Chris, we as Christians can encourage people because again, we fall into that too. We can we understand what that feels like. But as a position, we can encourage people because Jesus tells us that you know, knock on the door, uh, and it will open for you. You know, keep, uh, keep asking questions. You know, seek and you know, you'll find. And we believe that if you keep seeking truth, then we'll eventually come to Jesus. Like that's just what we believe straight from the gospel. So it's good that people sitting being agnostic but i just encourage people that i run to just keep looking for truth keep asking questions keep seeking and then i'm if, you know i believe god's uh, true and I'm, I'm a theist and if i believe you keep doing that eventually you'll come and understand uh, come to know uh, is god and you could be an, a theist but again i don't know we'll see so for me when i was in college i'm, I'm i'll talk about this so i've already posted my my first the first my story podcast with me in it um, just a shout out for that. <laughs> but um, I, I talk about during that about basically for about a year when I was in college, even though I was still going to church, but I basically completely lost like my faith. And I was more of an agnostic where I was like, you know, I really don't know. Yeah. Um, and even like, I feel like I came to this similar conclusion where it's just like, you know, I can't really conclusively say a hundred percent. Like there is yeah, no spiritual anything. There is no God. Um, and I couldn't 100% say that there is, like, there is God, let alone, like, the Christian understanding of God being a trinity um, and Jesus coming on this earth. But I think for me, um, what really changed it was, um, I feel like, I mean, one of the terms people use for this is revelation, but hmm. I had an, a, like, encounter um, experience, and I feel like it's like encounters of the third kind. <laughs> <laughs> but that that's what happened for me. It's like I... Um, like had this like really powerful like encounter with Jesus and like this full kind of understanding um, 
it wasn't in one moment. It was actually like over like a couple weeks and then it started growing um, again. But that like God is real, like Jesus is real. Um, he wants to be a part of my life and he wants me to like make a decision to follow him. So how would you say like that as a valid, to try to look at it more objectively yeah. um, as a, not not necessarily a proof for God, but a reason to believe. I, I, I mean, and I think you let me into an interesting point. I, I think more than, I mean, some people really like some of these intellectual arguments for God and like uh, Thomas Aquinas says all these arguments. Those never, those never work for me. What I think what you said is more interesting. Uh, I feel uh, because the world seems balanced in such a way that uh, you can choose to be theist or atheist and both of them can seem like fairly reasonable uh, positions. Again, if God didn't exist clearly, why is there so many people that are theists? I don't, I don't know if there's a, there might be a great explanation for that out there, but to me, it seems like the world is pretty well balanced in the way that <clears throat> you can choose God or you can not choose God. And I think that that for, for a Christian, that's a really good argument that God exists. I mean, it just seems, uh, it, it, and if he did exist, this is exactly what he would want. He said, you have completely free will to choose me or not choose me, and you, uh, you'll you run into periods where you don't feel like God, exi- uh, God exists, because, again, he's challenging you. To, this is a good thing <clears throat> that happens to a lot of Christians, just uh, uh, kind of becoming more mature Christians, you know, believing without uh, you really uh, seeing uh, often, and this happens to a lot of people. We, we I know we talked about it when you're going through it, but just a dark night of the soul is just people struggling with faith and then having still to come through with God. So having to still follow him, have to still believe him, and still trust him. And that's huge in, in uh, Christianity, is trust, especially when you don't see or believe. Uh, so when you don't see, but you still try to believe, and again, try to believe, because maybe it's not as easy. <clears throat> but again, it seems it seems really crazy to me that that stuff can happen, again, and you can still believe. Again, it, 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 this stuff can happen, and you can still be pulled uh, forward. It, it, it does seem like there's some sentience there that I've again I've free and complete total choice to believe God and in both of those positions are perfectly valid, and and that again people go through these periods of dark night of soul and then they come out of it with a stronger faith. It, it just uh, to me that those kind of arguments are things it, it's very difficult to to argue against. Again, uh, if if I, I say experience God and I'm a lot happy for it and I have a lot more joy in my life, I mean how do you argue against that? I mean, even, you know, it's like, oh, stop believing to God, you know, so you can, you know, stop being happy or, or whatever. I mean, I don't think there's much of an argument against that. Even if you don't think God exists, Christianity does things to people, you know, increases their faith and trust, not only God, but even going through a period like that can increase your faith and trust in other people. Uh, I just I just find that totally f- fascinating in, in general. I, I, I think there's a lot of argument in there for God, even even if you're not convinced by that, I think. Uh, there's a lot more great arguments for God in that in that kind of uh, <clears throat> in that kind of fashion. I'm just okay. I'm just gonna continue with your questions. So I guess for you personally, like what are like you talk about? You talked about earlier about all the things that kind of live in your life. You made it easier. You're like, oh, this does have to be a God. But I guess for you, like, what was what were some times of doubt? that I think either you encountered God or you found like a more, I guess, logical. Actually, I'd like for you to talk more about like, mm-hmm. I guess, your personal experience of encountering. Oh, personal experience encounter. Um, so I think <clears throat> as a young kid and had a high school, I always believed in God. And I really, 
it, it was always something I kind of experienced, kind of something I was always on the, I wouldn't say sidelines, but it would be, my encounters with God would consist of going to retreat. And I was like, oh, wow, I, I, I mean, I would feel God and I would experience God and have a conversation with them, but then I wouldn't go deeper. I wouldn't, I wouldn't continue. I would drop as soon as I left the retreat. Nothing in my life would change, and then uh, I would go back to however I was. So it was something I occasionally did. And I went to, you know, going to church and all that stuff's nice, but I didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus, uh, to, to be perfectly honest, if I'm going to be honest with myself, uh, for high school. <clears throat> and so what happened is I, I actually went to Grand Valley State University for undergraduate, my undergraduate degree. And there, uh, I know Taylor talked about uh, when I was going there, it's like, oh, there's some groups, there's some cool Christian groups around, and there's some, one called UCO and University Christian Outreach. They're really great. But <clears throat> he said, okay, you should check them out. And so I went to I went to one of their gatherings and it was just uh, it was just kind of a fun night. It was outside and they were barbecuing and they were uh, racing and all doing all these fun stuff. And I went up to this guy and it's like, "Hey, uh, do you know who the leader of UCO is?" It's like it's, it's, his name was Noel. He's like, "I'm the leader of UCO. It's me. <laughs> it's me." And he was like, "Oh, you shoot. Do you wanna do you wanna go in the sat? You know, do this three legged race with me and just encourage me and it took me and we uh, we started." We start doing stuff. Do you guys together. win the three-legged race? I don't. I think we got second. So this is point. I don't remember who won, but it doesn't matter. Uh, so you just encouraged me and, and led me on and started pulling me into the group and started introducing me to people. And I started talking to people that night, and I could just clearly see as a group of people uh, compared to me that they were had so much joy in their life. I mean, they were so happy. Not just happy, but it was joy. It was something not from them, clearly. It was something that I clearly did not have. I, uh, and when I started going to UCO more and started getting more involved with the group, it, it was clear that they had Jesus and I didn't. In a way, in a, in, a, in, a, in a very profound way, they had Jesus as the absolute center of their life and they had complete trust in him. And a lot of these people, I mean, it was a vast majority of people in the group were just completely on fire for Jesus. And I did not have it and I wanted it and it made me want it. And it invited me deeper. It invited me to to get more involved with ministry, more involved with my church. And it was it was more of a again a lot of my life, uh, my conversion has not been oh there's a flash in a pan. Now I'm you know now I'm perfectly uh, you know, in tune with Jesus. It's been slow. It's been it's been long. It's been uh, it's been this endurance race where I just have to keep going and keep going in deeper and keep trusting in Him. Keep and keep going. So in my high school, I got much more much more involved with ministry and much more uh, deep in much more deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. So it, and it took a long time, but I kept getting involved with more ministries, kept living with great Christian guys that lead me on. Uh, so in college, me. right? Yeah, this is in college. Keep living with, uh, you know, in meeting with Christian guys that kept leading me on uh, and kept calling me to a deeper faith and kept uh, calling me to just be a better man in general. And it was just through that conversion where I started having a deeper relationship with Jesus, and I really started forming the root, roots of uh, deep faith. And I don't know, uh, it, it's something that, I, I, again, this is an argument, well, it was people that were joyful in Jesus, joyful uh, in, what he, in what he gave them and the relationship he had with them, and that invited me in, because they had something I didn't. And even if you're an atheist and agnostic listening in, uh, 
And once you see that with people, they have something you don't want. And the difference is, is Jesus. I mean, that completely convinced me that, the, you know, that there was something that, because it was, it was something that, that <clears throat> this is something I couldn't get anywhere else. And it's something that, that I've never seen before. Uh, and I, I'm convinced completely to this day, like I would be a Christian even if there, you know, even if there was no heaven, because of what you know Jesus does in my everyday life, in, in what He does continuously, and for, uh, and for that relationship that I have with Him, I would be a Christian even if there was no heaven. It's not for the reward; it's for, it's for the race; it's for the endurance. Uh, <clears throat> because I, I'm, I'm so much more joyful nowadays. I'm so much more happy based on the path that that Jesus has led me. I mean, there's been so many crazy things in our life. And Taylor, I experienced this last summer where I didn't have very, I didn't have housing. I didn't have uh, anywhere. I was moving to Milwaukee. Well, I mean, I don't have housing. I didn't have planned housing when I was going to move to Milwaukee, go, going to now uh, transferring to grad school. And I was just told at the beginning uh, of the year, uh, someone got it in prayer for me that I was going to find the perfect place. And I just I believe that that was that was just it that was that was what's gonna happen and uh, we kept looking for places couldn't find it uh, went over and we still couldn't find a place that was great none of the places uh, matched up none of it fit uh, but I still believe that that there was something for me there and that there was still a place and and it was it was I mean we went through some low points but then uh, I know Taylor got involved and met a guy named Pete over there through a conference. And he got, eventually it was like a week or two before I was supposed to move and he got, it was something crazy. It was not responsible. Anyway. It was not <laughs> responsible. Yeah, that's what Brandon's oh, Brandon skipping with the story. And how, yeah, like, I'm skipping a lot. He basically didn't plan or anything. Oh, and- but it, 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 okay. So, but this is, this is what the Lord, this is how the Lord works sometimes. Well, I'm not saying through my irresponsibility, but through uh, just how he can still uh, fix these situations where he got me in contact with Pete and who got me in contact with Father Enrique, and now I'm living in a discernment house over in Milwaukee, and it's absolutely amazing. I love it. I'm the app, they, they keep joking. So what is the discernment house for people that wouldn't be familiar? Oh, yeah, so the discernment house is, like, for people that are thinking about being priests. It's a, it's a place where they can come and see how priests live and live in community with each other and really fully uh, discern that vocation. Now, I've been to a point where I've, I'm fairly certain I'm not supposed to be a priest, but that experience has been incredible. I've been at the center of a, of one of this parish uh, that I'm at. I've been able to see how priests live in such an incredible way. I mean, they're just great people. They're all, uh, absolutely awesome people. They work really hard, and it's been an absolutely amazing experience for me, and, I, and it just came from, you know, you have a perfect place to live, and you should just trust and believe that. And that worked out, and that's like, okay, I believe even, I mean, trust you even more than God. Look at the, look what you did here. When you just told me this one thing was going to work out here, and led to another thing, and now I have a lot of friends there. I've, you know, my center, uh, uh, and my center of faith is there right now. Well, it's where my, uh, it's my parish now, uh, at least over there. And I just have met so many great people. I have so many great experiences just from that one little thing. And it's incredible how God can work your life in just a little thing and expand it out into in just a little thing of trust. So again, the people, person we look to as being a model for trust is Mary. It's just saying yes that one time can lead to so many incredible things. And it's in that faith in God that they calls you deeper to. It's just that faith in God that yeah, he, he wants to build and, and grow, and that can just lead to so many amazing things. So again, uh, just things like that just convinced me, okay, I, would, I mean, again, I would be a Christian even if there was no heaven, because just look look what he, look what he does in my life, look at the incredible, incredible relationships he's formed just because I trusted in him and, and let him lead me through, so. Yeah. So, um, 
uh, it's funny because I can tap back into it my time of like yes. losing my faith. I can hear like permanently in my brain. I have like this embedded like devil's advocate. Yes. Um, Good. So what would you say to people? They would say like, you know, they experience, oh yeah, these Christians, like they're really joyful. Yes. And other things, but that, you know, they're joyful for something that is just a belief in their head. That sure. They have a belief, but that doesn't make it real. Sure. But what's the problem with that? So, because if there was no God, what's the problem with someone being a Christian? I, I, this is something that, if someone is not being an authoritarian and enforcing their beliefs on you and making you be a Christian, even when you want to, if they just want to live their lives doing what they want, they want there's no God, I, I mean, I don't see a problem with uh, I, with them being joyful in God. I mean, that's not necessarily a proof that a God uh, exists. It's an, some of an argument, and it's convinced me in a lot of ways because, well, at least what I was saying that, an argument, if I'm going to be very specific, an argument for why I should believe in God and why I should be a, 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 a theist as opposed to atheist, because uh, I feel like it, uh, being a theist, I've been uh, offered so much just in my uh, my daily life. But I guess not argument to, to make a God, but uh, I mean, there's a, a lot of arguments of theism versus atheism, such as Pas- uh, Pascal's wager and all these things. And like, why would you be a the- atheist over a theist? I mean, there's there's things like that. I mean, it's not necessarily proof that, oh, God definitely exists because all these people are joyful, but saying like, wow, I mean, I, w- I really want to be part of this. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that uh, I believe the way I am, uh, I do. And even, you know, uh, I mean, it still couldn't be true. That's part of uh, that's part of faith in general that y- you'll never actually truly know. And again, this I guess leads back to my pr- uh, earlier argument is that ser- uh, either way, you, you'll never be truly, uh, you'll never truly know whether God doesn't or, or, or does exist. And to me, that just seems like a really well balancing of of Him allowing you to choose. But again, it's not a perfect it's not a perfect argument. If you're not convinced uh, yourself that yeah, God exists because of that, that's fine. That's okay. It's not a problem really. Yeah, I, I think for making a choice. So I was I was just actually um, leading retreat this past weekend, um, and something. So one of the priests that was um, leading it as well, Father James, he talked about it. There's this thing that happens when we surrender mm-hmm. and open ourselves to the possibility of faith. So for his, a little bit of his story, where for him when he was in high school, he started. You know, he grew up in kind of a Catholic family, and then he started. When he got older and older, um, going and like kind of throughout middle school and high school, he started to notice how different people in his life, whether it's his friends mm. that he grew up with um, or his family, they started making, you know, they started choosing to do other things instead of faith, whether mm. it was like, yep. like I'm going to put my whole life into sports yep, or I'm going to do that into like dance or drugs or like, <laughs> I don't mean drugs experience, yeah, but yeah, that's, yeah. that was his experience. Like he noticed yeah, people doing that and he was like, he kind of dabbled in all these different things. Um, and then finally he realized that, you know, none of these things were going to really, like, satisfy him, that yep. he could do them, but they wouldn't bring him, like, peace. And yep. this kind of search for meeting. Um, and then he kind of, he was, like, sitting down, like, in his bedroom. And he was like, okay, God, I got nowhere else to go. I choose you. Sure. And um, and then kind of in that moment, like, he experienced this, like, powerful, like, this real experience of God, like, for the first time. Hmm. And it was way beyond what he expected because... He came to it, it, you know, it was just like, I guess, you know, this, I guess I'm going to, it was pretty much, he felt like he was settling. It was like, well, I can't really do any, I didn't have any other choice. (laughs) This was the only real choice. But when he opened himself like to faith, he like discovered this, like this whole world. And I feel like with me, even when I was going, going, not to going through, like it was this terrible disease, but when I had basically like lost my faith, um, 
kind of reopening myself up to it. And it was slowly over time. It wasn't like one moment yeah. um, for me, but I know a lot of people have experienced like that one moment is that like really allowed like God to like reenter. I guess not only allowed him, but it, when I opened up to my, that possibility, it's like yeah. God showed up. And I don't mean just in a way of like, God, come here, prove that you exist yeah. right now, make this happen or this in my life. But it was more of God, like here, like I'm opening myself to you. Like if you want, yeah, it's consensual. Yeah, to be honest. Consensual. No, it is. It is. It is. And it, yeah, you open up to that uh, as opposed to telling God to do things, which is not. So mm-hmm. I mean, if you're, I think for me, it's always helped to relate relationship with God with a real relationship. So if you're like demanding, hey, you give me this or you do this for me, you know, if you if someone came around and started doing that for you, it's like, hey, you you do my homework. You pass my test. You would be. You just not be interested. I mean, not the God. Uh, it's like our mom. Yeah, not that. <laughs> she's in the other room. Don't tell her. No, it, I mean, I mean, not that God loses interest in like that. But uh, uh, you know, God doesn't listen to those demands. God knows what's best for us in general. He He'll do what He thinks is right. And <clears throat> and when you start conforming to that and saying, "Okay, God, I choose you," uh, and I'm going to, and it's it's not. Uh, it's not okay because I want you to do this thing or do this. I mean, actually trying to start and envelop and uh, begin that relationship and start to develop it. Then that I mean that I think that's naturally leads to something more of you if you're going to be honest about it. So, mm-hmm. I guess kind of kind of cl- we're going to close up in just a little bit. Um, but I guess in your experience, like in the academic world, especially within like kind of hard science within physics, um, have you experienced? I guess like any resistance um, due to your like kind of like the faith, like Christian faith or even like as a theist, or is it really not that big of a deal like, at all? Um, so, so uh, in terms of going forward academically in, in a career, uh, it, there doesn't seem to be that it's not that big of a deal uh, as, a po- as to a personal thing. Some people are not theists and, I didn't even know someone who's not an atheist. He's actually an anti-theist, which is really interesting to me. Someone actually actively believes that religion is a bad thing and is hurt, hurting people, is, uh, which is, which is I don't know, it's kind of kind of silly. But uh, I mean, in the way, what I mean, what I mean, it's silly. I mean, you're anti-religious, but again, you have the Catholic Church, the biggest charitable organization, so I'm not sure where the argument is. But still, uh, in terms of, acad- uh, again, professional life, it's not a big problem. There are a lot of people that either famous physicists or people that have gotten PhDs are, are theists, but there are there's a little bit of an undertone not out of coming to UWM. At Grand Valley was fine. No, no one cared. In general, I think the the the, the conversation be about should not be about whether you're a theist or atheist. It has nothing to again. I don't think it has anything to do with science in general. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't get to extrapolate as much in that direction I wanted to, but uh, personally, uh, sometimes runs to to issues because. Right now, in my class, I'm the only Christian, and I'm one of the only Christians at UWM. It's a little more, uh, for better or worse, whether you think, it's a little more left-leaning than Grand Valley was, and that is just, I, for some reason, there's people there that are less openly religious there, and I'm perfectly fine with being religious, and I'll answer people's questions, and I have one guy who is a little more militant against me, but as opposed, everyone else is generally pretty respectful and would rather have a conversation rather than an argument. So, and I, even then, I don't 
try to engage into a full-blown argument just try to be respectful and give my points and then kind of walk off so that's about it um i don't remember what, what did you want me to expand upon no i forgot um i've got different questions yes so sure. that's fine too how about this may seem like a little bit of a may obvious or kind of dumb yes. question to you but do you feel like being a person um of faith or like having like being a christian do you feel like that affects your ability to do science or do you just like do you feel like you're successful i mean i know that i know your answer to this but oh, i think funny. people are you, are you talking to, are you did you get that from neil degrasse tyson or i don't know i i haven't always agree with that guy uh no because it has nothing to do with science to be honest because the science is about the physical world and religion is typically not about the physical world, it's about the uh, general metaphysical uh meaning that god doesn't physically exist in this universe like matter does and like uh and we can, can't really talk him living on space time and all that not, uh, stuff. He's he's outside the universe acting in. Uh, so no, because uh, because it has nothing to do with it. And religion, religious versus uh, not religious, are just interpretations of science. Because when we talk about science, we're like, what do I actually do? Is I solve mathematical equations, I interpret them and, and apply them to physical situations, and that in that in general has nothing to do with religion because it's generally just math and just some interpretation. So to this implication that somehow you're a theist, I was like, oh wow, I'm, how are you gonna do? I don't, I don't, I don't know how you're gonna do bad science by 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 this. I mean, if you're if you're a theist, you might interpret it, the end result of a giant theory in one way, but that's typically fringe of what actually. Uh, physicists do in their everyday life I, I can only speak from my own field but it, it might be a little more important when talking about biology or maybe a little more important when talking about in psychology it may run it or especially sociology but as uh, far as my field if you are being influenced by the fact you're religious or not religious you're probably not doing the correct thing in science because you're not doing that's it, that doesn't seem to be like my everyday life and actually what i do uh, it just doesn't seem to reflect any of those views. And it, again, that seems to be something, and I think that should be completely separated from how you do science uh, in general, because, I mean, if, if, if it's influencing you, I, I don't think you're really understanding religion or science, if that's becoming a problem. We can go back and look, as far as like within history, and see all the great scientists throughout mm -hmm. the years yep. who were people, I mean, people of faith, not only that, but people of Christian faith, people yep. either explicitly of a catholic faith do you feel like it's like strengthening maybe just from a life standpoint or maybe who are some famous i guess like scientists like who are christians that you look up to um that's i mean i never actually thought about that because i've always had uh model uh, 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 idols that were scientists or idols that were christians but there hasn't been a ton there that that i've looked up to or both i mean there's gregor mendel which basically started the entire uh <clears throat> the entire uh conversation about genetics and eventually i mean that led to a lot of discoveries in biology just modern biology and and general uh talking about genetics and then evolution that that started with all uh you know catholic monk which is pretty incredible and i, I always forget his name I always forget his name, but you'll have to look it up and, and, and put on here. But a, what, what did a Catholic person uh, actually introduced the idea of the Big Bang. Oh, always, yeah, Father George Lamarck. That's him. He uh, was the head of the Vatican's, I think this was in like the 20s and 30s. Yeah. He was the head of the Vatican's like science yeah. like, and, department. And, and that in general is just, uh, 
it's funny because that's actually turns out to be really good science and also helps the Christian worldview because instead of saying that the universe is cyclic, it's just this is one and done. Uh, further that, if you want to keep looking at cosmological models, that's one thing. But again, the world, the the, the universe has a physical beginning and where it's going from there on is just models. But I mean, I've never had, I mean, I have people that I like are physicists, Feynman and Einstein and have people that are uh, religious. Well, that I look up to, but I, I guess I haven't necessarily combined the two a lot in my brain. But those those two people are, are always great examples to t- talk about. Uh, okay, you know the church, the Catholic Church at its best encourages sciences, has pushed science forward, or at least people uh, people in it. So, and and it's worse uh, not so, but uh, <clears throat> I think in, in general you can really comfortably be a person of religion and science. And and if someone tells you otherwise, I think they're being quite silly and they don't really understand what's going on. So cool. So we'll close with that. And that's it. My last word was, you know, silly. silly. (laughs) That's why I wanted to close on it pretty much. Okay. That's Um, all right. I want to thank Brandon again for coming on the Millennial Mission Podcast. This song that you're actually listening to right now is called Badass Senpai. And it's something that, he programmed it's like awesome electronic song um, we talk about on the website a lot about join the conversation that's what we want these podcasts to be is not just us talking um, to each other but or us you know talking at you but basically we want you to be able to comment and join our conversation that no one seems to be having about millennials and faith so go on our website we have this really awesome commenting engine called discuss um, just remember as well you can support us on patreon and you can also connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And we also have a weekly newsletter. They're beautiful emails that I spend way too much time on. Um, yeah, so with that, we're just going to let the music take us out. Thanks, guys.